You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. We are back, gang, with another episode of Pros Like Us. Uh, I'm your one of your co-hosts, Lou Montagna. I have here with me, of course, as always, Alex Kafta. Alex, how you doing, man? What's going on? Ready to talk some football. It's just it's been a crazy weekend. You know, the Chiefs still look like the best team, but the Steelers are the only unbeaten team after uh, beating the Baltimore Ravens and. That was a heck of a win. I mean, they certainly made uh, Lamar Jackson look average, if you can imagine that. And there's been a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson being an average quarterback, that he can't win the big game. Last year, Lamar Jackson was the hottest thing around the NFL. And now, same people bringing him down and saying how he can't win the big game. Well, I think that's kind of just the way it is, and I guess our business. What what we do is, I mean, they want to build guys up as you know as quickly as possible, and then right back tear them tear them right back down. Uh, granted, you know, this is what his uh, third season in the NFL. I didn't even play a full season his first year, but you know, I think you know until he comes through in the clutch. Until he has a game where they play perceived good team, and he you know makes makes plays to win the game and not lose it, you know, I think this is going to continue. And you know the the pick six, you know, in the first drive, the fumble in the red zone, getting stopped on fourth down in the red zone, another interception that set Pittsburgh up in in the red zone. Because I mean, quite frankly, the Steelers didn't really light it up offensively. I mean, they were pretty pedestrian it wasn't a very Steeler like performance but they made the plays when they had to and they cashed in on those uh turnovers that were either given to them or they forced you got to give give them credit they they did what they had to do to win looking at it from the outside Lamar didn't he had opportunities but didn't quite get the plays done if we're talking about that draft, though, right? I mean, this is the draft where Baker went number one overall to the Cleveland. Oh Browns. yeah. Oh no. No Sam question. Sam Darnold, they, they Josh did, Rosen, they did Josh well. Allen. <laughs> I mean, Lamar Jackson was the last quarterback picked in the first round of that draft, and the Baltimore Ravens uh, they they pulled the trigger. They got him in there. They've designed their offense around him. It, it looks like a didn't they trade offense. back in? Didn't they trade back into the bottom of the first to take him? They did. And Lamar Jackson has been the best quarterback out of that quarterback class in the first round by far at this point. Yeah, no, no question, no question at all. You know, it's it's amazing to me how the tide turns in the NFL. One time you're the hottest thing around, right? And then people are questioning you. I guess I shouldn't be surprised about Lamar Jackson because I've heard the same thing about Tom Brady uh, since he left the Patriots. I've heard the same thing with. Aaron Rodgers not being the same quarterback last year and proving everyone, I guess, wrong this year that he can still get it done. It's amazing just uh, the fact that that we live in this world where we have these shows that go back and forth. And one week they're talking about how Lamar Jackson is the best thing around. And then the the next time around they're talking about how Lamar Jackson, you know, can't do anything. He can't win the big game. 
the shows are on every day. There's a couple of net, several networks that are on 24 hours a day. So yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be content there. And but uh, not us. We're scraping the bottom the bottom of the barrel here. Let's go right to New York and Gotham. You spoke about Sam Darnold, the Jets. Oh, and the season. They've got a bunch of games left. Can they run the table and have the perfect season? 0-16, just like the Lions did. Can it happen? That's what we're going to talk about next. I guess just off the top, you know, looking at their schedule, the, the only game that looks like that could really screw them up is playing the Browns in the second-to-last game of the season. So it's in New York. And, and here's the only reason why. I mean, the Browns, you know, hopefully for them, they're making a playoff push. They're really, you know, got a lot to play for. But again, like you said, Baker's not exactly lighting it up unless he's playing Cincinnati, right? Here's going to be on the road. Greg Williams would love nothing better than to stick it, I think, in little Baker's face. You never know. That could be one that, that they can pull out. But they got New England a couple of times. They're at the Chargers, they got the Dolphins, they got the Raiders, at Seattle, at the Rams, Cleveland, and, and again, it would have to be kind of the perfect storm for them to win that one. I don't know. Which Do, do you see any wins on here? No, I think they're going to go 0-16. And the last time we had this was in 2008, right, when the Detroit Lions went 0-16. It was a, a team that was run by Matt Millen, the head coach, I have to go back and, and look it up. Rod Marinelli, who has been a great defensive line coach, a great defensive coordinator in this league, but he was the man, the unfortunate man in charge of that 0-16 team. Look, the Jets are hopeless. They, they really are. I, I don't know who proclaimed Adam Gase this offensive genius because I'm just not seeing it. And I've watched a couple of games just to kind of see what he's doing. He's just not utilizing Sam Darnold's strengths. He's he's not getting him out of the pocket. Sam Darnold's strength is throwing on the run, especially with that offensive line. Let, let's be kind here. They tried to address it this offseason and free agency and in the draft, and it seems like they found their, their left tackle of the future, possibly. Their offensive line is still average, so Sam Darnold is still not being protected the, the way Lamar Jackson is being protected, the way Josh Allen is being protected, and he doesn't use motion when that has become a norm around the league. I mean, look at all the offensive coaches that have success in this league. Kyle Shanahan, McAvey. I mean, they use motion. They try to confuse the opposing defense. Adam Gase has a stagnant offense that doesn't have any stars in the backfield or a receiver. He has a quarterback that he has basically ruined at this point. And the only thing that has has saved Adam Gase on this planet is the endorsement from Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning won a, a Super Bowl under Adam Gase when he was the offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. And it seems like Peyton Manning was his campaign manager when Adam Gase was, was let go from the Miami Dolphins and, and the Jets just were willing to take that chance. If Adam Gase gets fired and Greg Williams takes that interim head coaching job, which he's had already a few times, during his NFL career, he's been that interim head coach before, and 
recently it was, with, it was with the Cleveland Browns. I think Greg Williams can get this team fired up, and they can win a game with Greg Williams in charge, but not Adam Gase. I mean, Adam Gase has lost touch with reality. He needs to coach football somewhere in Africa, but certainly not in the, in the National Football League. No, he has uh, really got a ton of mileage, uh, you know, out of the you know the season he had with uh, with Peyton Manning, and Manning must really like him because, like I said, and then they took that endorsement to heart and and hired him over some, quite frankly, much better candidates. So I yeah, I think he's definitely gone. I think Douglas will will stick around. I don't think he was involved in the hiring of Adam Gase, so I think maybe they give him kind of a, a second shot here. It's going to be a tough one because obviously they're going to have the first pick, right? Is it going to be easier to trade Darnold or trade the first pick? It's certainly going to be easier to trade Sam Darnold. I don't think there's any question about that. But who's going to blow them away that's going to want Trevor Lawrence that much to give up kind of the King's ransom that we've seen uh, with first round, you know, that first round pick? Who's, if, if that happens then sure you, you got to do it but I think more than likely I think maybe just f- for the franchise sake and some juice coming back into the franchise maybe they they go ahead and trade Darnold to a team like Indianapolis San Francisco Pittsburgh I mean they I think there would be a very robust market for Sam Darnold maybe they don't get a huge haul for him but at very least they'll get some picks maybe a, a couple of second day picks but they'll have Trevor Lawrence they've got you know many picks they're sitting on so Douglas this is his chance to really re- rebuild this thing and hopefully they're bringing a coach that kind of has the message everybody buys in and they give him the reins to go do what he can do best and you know if that's you know Eric Bieniemy Arthur Smith we, we've talked about uh, you know other coaching candidates that should get an opportunity here you know why not it's over with Adam Gase is going to be gone and I've come to the conclusion as much as I love Sam Darnold and he was my top quarterback in that 2018 NFL draft and I still stand by him because he can resurrect his career with the good offensive team around him but he needs to go to a different spot and Joe Douglas is not married to Sam Darnold he didn't draft him and therefore, it's going to be easier for him to let him go. This isn't like the situation with the Chicago Bears, where they're still sticking, keeping Mitchell Trubisky on the roster and hoping that he could still be the guy. It seems like Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy are still pining over the fact that Mitchell Trubisky can return and be that starting quarterback. That's not the case here with the New York Jets. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was picked back in the 2012 NFL Draft. He's the best NFL quarterback prospect in over the past decade. I mean, that says a lot. And Trevor Lawrence is not going to rescue the New York Jets by himself. Darnold hasn't been able to do it. Not even Brady, not even Montana would be able to rescue this New York Jets team. They need a lot of pieces around him. I mean... Last week, we saw Denzel Mims finally get on the football field because the Jets were high on him. He was a day-two pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. They don't have anyone at wide receiver except for maybe Jamison Crowder, who's a good slot receiver, but he's a number three guy. They got Mikai Becton at left tackle. I think the rest of the guys that they have on the offensive line are replaceable. They don't have a running back. They don't have a tight end. 
I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, that defense needs a lot of holes that they need to fix. They may they have like Marcus May at safety and Quentin Williams uh, on the defensive line. Trevor Lawrence is not going to rescue this team all by himself. But the one thing is, the Jets don't only have a number one overall pick, but they do have a lot of picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. The Jets need a lot of pieces. Yep. Hire Eric Bieniemy. Take Lawrence. You got to hit on a bunch of picks. I'd love to see Darnold with with San Francisco. I, I think that would just be perfect. So... All right, moving on. We're at the halfway point of the season for most teams. I mean, some teams have only played seven games, but, you know, it's week eight going into week nine. We're, we're halfway through, and we're not an award-type show, but we're going to talk a little bit about who we might think the MVP is at this point. You know, the guys at the top of the list aren't going to surprise anybody. This isn't a shock. We're not going to unearth some gem that no one's noticed over the course of the first eight weeks. Alex, you can you know, bear me out here if you've got you know some other some other people. Go ahead and mention them. But I think I mean at the top of the list, I think the top of everybody's list is going to be Russell Wilson. Call me a homer, but I gotta I gotta throw in Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I gotta do that. Now a third candidate, which again a lot of people you know are going to look at this a, a little bit different and you know, whatever he's old, whatever. But but I gotta believe you gotta throw Brady into the conversation. Not that he would win it, but what he's done in such a short period of time, kind of, kind of changing that whole mentality and the whole feel the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization has just been phenomenal, uh, especially without uh, you know the preseason, the no OTAs, no mini camp. I mean, nothing really until they got to training camp. Well, you know, granted, he he did kind of work around that and, and make up his own workouts, but I would throw him in there. Uh, I think to a lesser degree, maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers. And then I'll throw two at you that will never win, but are just amazing players, especially the first half of the season. Where the hell would New Orleans be without Alvin Kamara right now? He accounts for almost half of their offense. Can't guard Mike. Haven't seen him since week one and really didn't play a lot that game. He's, he's a great player. I've always loved him, but he's just he's just playing lights out right now. And then also, of course, the defensive side of the ball, Aaron Donald, just because he's probably the best player in the NFL, but he plays deep on the interior of the defensive line, so he'll never win an award like this. But I would say those would be my candidates at this point. Would you add or subtract anyone, Alex? I don't think I would. I think it's a solid list, and the only... I think the only two candidates that I would add to there, based on what they've shown uh, this year, I would add Aaron Rodgers because I think he's been fantastic. He did have a good game last week against the Vikings, even though he got off to a slow start. But he's still putting up the numbers. He's not turning the ball over. Devontae Adams is his only guy at receiver, and he's just riding him. and just doesn't have those weapons and uh, I would say Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in the conversation and Josh Allen uh, we got to put him in there even though he has struggled the past couple of games but I think he'll bounce back and and Josh Allen has been a, a nice revelation this year just he's taken a huge step forward overall I think that that's the list that I would go with I am surprised that you mentioned Alvin Kamara I, I realize that you know the way they use him and he is their offense right now with Michael Thomas out, but I am surprised. He hasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, he hasn't had 100 yards rushing 
in a, one single game this year. Even though, like I said, he's a deadly weapon. They use him on running back screens. They split him out and they throw him the ball. It's kind of like Christian McCaffrey, but it's tough for me to uh, to go with the running back in today's age. I want to pose this question to you after we get into conversation, like who is our number one MVP and stuff like that. Will we ever see a running back win the MVP award again? I think last time a running back has won the MVP award was in 2008. It was Adrian Peterson when he was still playing for the Minnesota Vikings. No, I mean, you will never see it again. I mean, this has become a quarterback's award. Here's a cliche time. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's a passing league. Just the way the game has changed and how dynamic the position has become you know in terms of guys that are that are running the ball and passing like I said I mean he's got no chance Aaron Donald's got no chance at it but you know you mentioned the what no 100 yard rushing games but uh, for the analytics people out there he is averaging five yards a carry he's got 431 yards four touchdowns rushing he has 55 receptions in their first I don't know if they've played seven or eight games. Either way, I mean, it's a pretty decent number. Averaging 10 yards of reception, three touchdowns receiving. Again, so if you look at just the way the game is played now, I don't know that the 100-yard rushing game is, is quite as important as it used to be. Yes, you want to have balance and so forth in your offense, but just the way that New Orleans plays, his total yardage is just... It, it, it's ridiculous, and it's not quite where McCaffrey was, and he didn't come close to winning the MVP last year. So like I said, McCaffrey, if anybody was going to win it, he could have won it last year, but the team was so bad, how can you give it to him? I think McCaffrey could. could win it down the line. But if it's going to take... I'm just yeah. posing this question. If he right. gets over like 1,500 rushing yards and 1,500 receiving yards, which is possible because they feature him so much... And in Joe Brady's offense, if he wasn't hurt right now, I'm sure he would be the centerpiece and he would be uh, getting all the touches. And Teddy Bridgewater does like to throw underneath. I think Christian McCaffrey has that shot if he approaches, if he gets close to like 3,000 total yards, it would be really difficult to deny him of that because... That would be a staggering number, and that could happen. Oh my God! In that yeah. I mean, it, when he, I mean, hitting one thousand, you know, rushing and receiving is, you know, is just ridiculous. It's mind-boggling. Nobody gets the ball that much, but in some cases, obviously, people have. He would be the candidate. But like I said, I want—I just wanted to mention Kamara for for what he's doing for the Saints, kind of keeping them afloat. As even Drew Brees, even though his, you know, his percentage completion is is where it usually is, but. Nothing down the field. No Mike Thomas out there. Emmanuel Sanders has been in and out of the lineup. So it's it's the Kamara show. And again, they're not very pretty right now, but they're winning games and you know they're they're still in contention. But you know, for the let Russ Cook gang out there, and uh, Russ has been his recipes are working for the time being. They are six and one. He's over 70%, almost 72% completion rate, 26-6 touchdown interception ratio, 120 passer rating, 82 QBR. 
but he's been sacked 19 times. That's where you get a little concerned. Now, he normally, I mean, he obviously he's been a very durable guy, and I don't want to jinx him in any stretch, but that might be the one thing moving forward to actually win the award for the year that, that could come back to haunt him a little bit if, you know, he gets beat up a little bit. Uh, you mentioned A-Rod. He's right there, 66% completion percentage, 20 to 2 touchdown interception ratio, 113 passer rating, 84 QBR. Uh, he's been sacked eight times. Uh, Mahomes, 67% completion, 21 to 1 uh, touchdown to interception ratio, 115 passer rating, 85.4 QBR. Uh, he's been sacked 10 times. Again, you know, their offensive line, it is what it is. Injury he had last year was kind of a fluke. So he's been, he's been pretty durable. And again, he's very young in his career. But do you think, Alex, that, and, and I think this happens in the NBA as well, where these guys come in, they kind of take the league by storm. He won his MVP because he had 5,000 yards, 50 touchdown passes. And that was pretty much a function. He had to do that, right? I mean, they, they, with that defense that year under Bob Sutton, he had to put up those numbers or they weren't going to win a lot of games. Now we've kind of normalized some of the things these guys do, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, has he has like a 1.4% interception percentage for a career. No one's even close. But we've kind of normalized, hey, we've seen this. Lamar Jackson, hey, we've seen this now. You you got to wow us more to win another, you know, MVP award. So Mahomes, I think maybe that does that work against him that he that he's been so incredible that even this resume might not be, you know, hey, whatever, that's Mahomes. He's just doing what he normally does. No, that's crazy talk. Hello. I mean, look at his numbers over 2300 passing yards uh, 21 touchdowns and only one interception yeah oh no i, I mean I, I, let's be honest here i mean he's still up there if russell wilson right now is the favorite just because he had that great game last week he finally got back he struggled after like against the arizona cardinals the week prior to that against the 40, arizona did throw three picks yeah, yeah and against the 49ers he got back in the saddle he had an easy game he had four touchdowns Patrick Mahomes is right on his tail after what he did to the Jets. Just in just in general, how many times did like LeBron, you look at bat like LeBron James? I mean, he like has like these stellar seasons, like eh, you know, LeBron, whatever. Giannis like broke out. This is the you know he's played so whatever, but there, it was LeBron James, and he's thirty five years old, and he carried this team. But well, we'll give it to Giannis. But I mean, still, you you got to prove it every year, um, and I do think oh, no, I, I do question. think Mahomes is capable of throwing for sixty touchdowns this year. To be honest with you, I mean, just the way that he played against the Jets the, but, this past week, he can throw like four or five touchdowns every week. I mean, we, we saw it before in the NFL. It was it was what the award that went to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady almost every other year. I mean, they went back and forth a little bit. I don't think so. I mean. T- just the fact that you want to give it to somebody else because Mahomes is so great and he's going to win, what, 10 of these awards? So you want to steal one <laughs> or two away? No, I'm that's telling crazy. you. I understand I think, what you're I think saying about a the NBA. About, I think there's a little bit about that out there. If I had a vote, I would vote for Patrick Mahomes <laughs> if, if Russell Wilson slips here, you know, a game or two. But right now, both teams are winning. Both teams have won losses. And you know what? The, the old Tom Brady... 
I mean, if you look at his numbers, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, over 2,100 yards, he's been amazing the, the past, I would say, three games ever since the Chicago Bears game. He beat Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay game, and then he's put up the numbers against the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Giants. So it's, he is hitting his stride. He's settling in in this Bruce Arians offense now. He's feeling more comfortable, and in the second half, I can only expect Tom Brady to pick it up a little bit more just because you know that Mike Evans, well, me, he has to get healthy. And you know that with Godwin out, Antonio Brown is going to make a little bit of a difference. They've got Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson. They've got those running backs you know, with Fournette and, and Ronald Jones. Brady is, is the one that I think Russell and Patrick need to watch out for just because I think Brady is just hitting his stride here in the second half of this season what he's done for that team granted it was the giants but that last year they they would have lost that game there's no way they win that game brady doesn't turn it over he makes the right plays gets them in and out of bad plays like i said i put him up there just because yeah granted i mean he has some numbers but they are going to increase like you said a b the whole the whole deal but uh my vote right now i mean i'm not going to be a homer here i mean obviously i you could vote you could say mahomes and i i don't think anybody would argue but russ Definitely at this point to get that Seattle team where they are right now with the, all the problems they have on the offensive line. Uh, we'll be talking about DK Metcalf here pretty soon. The weapons-wise, I mean, you can't you can't fault them now. Lockett, Metcalf. You know, you bring in Greg Olson to be the tight end, which he really inexplicably doesn't throw to him that much when when I've watched them play. No more excuses. Let Russ cook. I get the feeling that. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to be uh, holding that MVP award once again. He just may, but right now, voting right now for this at this stage of the season, I'm going to I'm going to go with Russ in this case, just just because again, elevating that team with all the warts he's covering up, Russ gets it for me. Well, we talked about DK Metcalf and just we brought up his name, but just the fact that you just look at the guy. He's just so physically imposing. I don't know that there's been another receiver that's been that size, that fast. On our first show, we talked a little bit about Megatron. And, you know, not that he's in that class yet, but size and skill and everything else. I mean, I the one plan, if you saw it this week, if you were watching the Niners game, he catches the ball on the left hash, basically, makes a beeline for the right sideline, nobody touches him and just scoots right down the sideline for six. That was an amazing play. And then the the chase down. You know, we talked about LeBron James and the chase down play. The game against Arizona where Russ throws kind of the lollipop pick and it looks like a sure 98 or whatever yard touchdown it was going to be. And Metcalf from the other end zone chases Buda Baker down and takes him down and they end up stopping him for no points. I mean, that may be like the play of the season so far, but we had the Brady six, right? I think maybe we'll have to take a look at the Metcalf eight and that uh, draft class of the wide receivers a couple years back and all the guys that went ahead of them. Now, I wasn't involved in the the Blitzcast that season, but how did you guys have uh, this group rated? All right, so um, Ed, my partner for Blitzcast, he had Debo Samuel as his number one receiver in that draft. 
and uh, he was he was really high on him, and he liked his route running and his ability, what he could do after the catch, and obviously he's an explosive player who also uh, in college was able to to help in the, in the return game. I had a guy who's injured right now because I was expecting DK Metcalf to have that injury-prone career in the NFL, so I wasn't on board with him. I had Kelvin Harmon, uh, the NC State wide receiver, as my number one guy in that draft. He went in the sixth round to the Washington Redskins back then. Now it's the Washington football team. He's out with an ACL injury this year. Had a promising rookie year. Uh, I was expecting big things from him in year two, considering that Washington football team didn't have any weapons except for Terry McLaurin. That didn't occur. That's basically where we had him. I think we missed on A.J. Brown. I'll explain why we missed on A.J. Brown. We wondered why a guy that imposing, that big, was playing in the slot at Old Miss. We just couldn't figure it out. Like, we wanted to see him do some things on the outside, and he never did. They always played him in the slot. And I wonder, how is this guy who's about 6'1", 215, 220, how is he going to fit in the slot when he's not one of those twitchy guys? Well, obviously, we, we saw that during his rookie season that A.J. Brown was was a monster. I mean, just a monstrous season. And some people compared him to Anquan Bolden. That draft wasn't that strong in terms of, uh, you know, the wide receivers. Ed had Debo, I had Kelvin Harmon, and we missed on DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. Both guys from Old Miss, but they seem to be the, the best wide receivers from that draft. Well, they both, I mean, they had their issues, right, at, at Old Miss. I don't, D.K. Metcalf, how much did he play his senior year? Wasn't he injured for part of it? I think it was a redshirt sophomore year. In 2016, okay. it was his first year, he had a foot fracture. And then in 2018, he suffered a neck fracture. It was one doctor that told him that he'll never play football again. A lot of NFL teams had him as a top 10, top 15 talent. Just looking at his size, his speed, his athleticism. I mean, he blew up at the scouting combine, but he didn't have the production because those injuries kind of held him back. And then you add that neck injury, most teams were weary of that. And that's the reason why he slipped. People are calling the Seahawks geniuses for picking him, but they picked him at the end of the second round. A lot of people missed on DK Metcalf, and a lot of it had to do with, with that injury history. NFL teams look at injuries very seriously because if you get hurt in college, how the hell are you going to stay healthy in the NFL? It doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are. Obviously, DK Metcalf is really imposing with his... He looks like Superman. I would assume that a lot of it had to do with that, the injury history. And then he didn't have the production at Old Miss. They had a few wide receivers there. A.J. Brown was the lead dog when he was with the Rebels. And then Metcalf was never uh, the, the lead dog. He was never the top receiver. And I think there was one play in college that kind of stands out, the highlight reel tape. If you watch that draft, when D.K. Metcalf got drafted, uh, it was that play against Alabama. It was on the deep throw. I think it was the first play of the game. Old Miss quarterback uh, steps back, and then he, he chucks it. And then he gets DK Metcalf for like 60 or 70 yards. And then he didn't do anything the rest of the season if you just paid attention to that highlight reel tape. Obviously, DK Metcalf is the best receiver out of this draft. But A.J. Brown is right on his heels, his former teammate. And the type of season that he had as a rookie, he's had some injuries this year. 
But those two old Miss receivers, I mean, they look really good. Because the rest of that draft, I mean, you look at a guy like Miko Hardman, with all due respect, but he he's a speedster. He's a deep threat. He's a guy that you use on jet sweeps, end arounds. He'll help you as a return specialist. But I don't think Hardman is ever going to be anything more than like a number three receiver for an offense. And then you look at a guy like Paris Campbell, who went to the Colts. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's had some injuries. And then Andy Isabella, that's a straight-up bust. They're probably going to move on from him next year. A lot of people missed on DK. It happens every year. And who knows? Who knows if Metcalf isn't going to suffer an injury next year that would force him out. But I agree with you. Based on his physical tools, based on his speed, based on his athleticism, the closest receiver that you can compare him to is Megatron. Right, and he played at, at Georgia Tech at the time when they were you know, running the triple option, where, so he didn't really get the opportunities in college either. Now, for different reasons, but uh, still, it's, hard. It's, it's just impossible to project these guys just based on physical skills. Again, every so often, you get that you know, workout warrior that does pan out. It doesn't happen often, so I think that's why he, he slipped. But just for those of you scoring at home, the Metcalf 8. First round, you had number 25, Hollywood Brown, went to Baltimore. And number 32, and Keel Harry, went to uh, New England. Debo Samuel went third, number 36, obviously, to the Niners. And then A.J. Brown went 51. McCall Hardman, 56. 57 was our Arthega Whiteside that can't stay healthy. You mentioned Paris Campbell can't stay healthy. Isabella, I don't know that he's really had much of an opportunity to play much with Arizona, so I'm not going to write him off just yet. He is very fast. You know, you throw D Hop in there, and you still got Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. So you know, it's easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle. So by no means has he elevated himself to warrant more playing time. So from that perspective, I agree with you. But you know, with at least with him, I would say let's give him a shot. And you know, again, playing Homer, McCole Hardman's going to be a great player for a long time. Alex, so that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, buddy. They should have picked DK Metcalf, and then the Chiefs' offense <laughs> could be even more explosive. Well, if you now, now again, everybody's got everybody's got reasons. If you remember at the time, uh, Tyree Kill looked you know, his career was was in jeopardy and question at that time with all the allegations about you know his, the child abuse and all these things that turned out to be a, a complete falsehood and just made up at that point i think they were thinking more so we need a speed guy just in case and if you remember hardman really never put up huge numbers at georgia i mean he had some some big plays but nothing i mean and a lot of times like you said it was as a returner correct they were a running offense georgia has always been a running offense so a lot of wide receivers they get lost in the shuffle even though they are very talented guys but hardman was also a young guy I think he was either a redshirt sophomore or definitely a junior when he came out, and he was underutilized in that offense because, again, the Bulldogs love to run that football. But I've watched every game he plays, okay? So I can say this isn't Mike McCarthy trying to get a job from from Jerry Jones, okay? I have watched pretty much every play he's played, and he has really improved as a wide receiver. I mean, he's making some, some tough catches, 
albeit on a limited basis because of the guys ahead of him. I mean, at this point of his career, he's no better than a fourth option, really, when it comes down to it. But he uh, he produces when he gets the opportunity. So, okay, all right. You know, Mr. Draft Expert, I'll I'll stick with your, your assessment, but uh, I'm going to keep rooting for him. How about that? But at this point, at this point, just to end this conversation, I mean, DK Metcalf is number one. <laughs> A.J. Brown is number two. He's inching right there at number two. And then you'll probably put Hollywood Brown just because he can make those explosive plays in that Ravens offense. And then at number four, I'll put Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel had a good rookie season. He came on in the second half of the year. Uh, He got a good playoff run, but he needs to stay healthy. And that was also a problem with Debo. Debo would have been a late first-round pick if it wasn't for those injuries scouts and NFL teams pay attention a lot to that injury history. And that's the reason why Debo slipped. And that's the reason why DK Metcalf went where he went at the end of the second round. I love Debo. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's come to that time of the show where, you know, maybe we'll make some picks. What do you say? Let's do this. I'm excited. So let's look at last week real quick. Well, I had three Buffalo, uh, was a four to four and a half point favorite against uh, New England. They probably by rights lost the game, but they won by three. Doesn't work. Loser. Baltimore minus four. My goodness. They completely outplayed the Steelers between the 20s. Time of possession, 35 to 25. Yardage, you know, two. They, they rushed for 265. How do you rush for 265 in an NFL game and lose? That's just amazing to me. But, you know, a couple of interceptions, a couple of lost fumbles. Big Ben made plays when he needed to. So there you go. Steelers win the again. The story of the game Another was turnovers. You can't turn the yes. ball over four times. No. Not with, and again, but like you said, how many times have you seen a team run for 265 yards in the NFL and lose the game? It doesn't happen. It really shouldn't. And then the winner was the Dolphins, ding, ding, plus four, three and a half, whatever you, you may have had. But they win the game outright in uh, Tua's debut. Now, granted. Tua really didn't do much to earn to earn a victory in that game. Was Tua um, even on the field, Lou? He was. He he certainly he did throw a touchdown pass, Alex. I, I didn't notice him. I mean, I don't think it really mattered. And the reason for the pick, if you remember, wasn't so much that Tua was coming in. I would have made the pick if if Fitzpatrick was in there. It was more so the circumstance. Again, the Rams were coming short week, cross country flight playing that uh, opening window which would have been 10 a.m in for them always a good a good play against when you see that situation so in my ugly game of the week for this week I'm gonna look at that situation and it looks like it's going to be Buffalo plus three over Seattle again cross-country trip early window even though they won looked horrible last week they're getting three. Ugly game of the week, but I'm going with it. The other three that I have, I added one, so we'll have four this week. All again, these all these numbers are like four, four and a half. Okay, so Arizona over Miami. Pretty much Arizona coming off a bye. They've kind of figured out their offense. They know what they're doing defensively. They really don't get much of a pass rush. 
to his first start on the road. Quite frankly, it's his first start of, of, of his career because I don't know that you can count last week. So I'm taking Arizona minus four and a half. This one I'm a little leery of, but I just think Tampa Bay, it, forget that game against the Giants. That was just a, a bad spot for them. They're only giving four and a half to New Orleans. New Orleans is struggling to stay afloat. Like I said, Kamara is kind of keeping them healthy. But with those linebackers, Tampa Bay, I'm going to take the Bucks minus four and a half. Or even if it goes up to five or six, I'm taking Tampa Bay. And then my last one is Atlanta minus four over Denver. Now, granted, Denver, great comeback against the Chargers, but everybody comes back against the Chargers late in games. It's got to be the most infuriating thing if you're a Chargers fan to sit there and just watch the meltdown step by step. Drew Locke looked horrible for the first two and a half quarters of that game. They were in complete control and just, again, melt down. So I'm going to stick with Atlanta. They come off mini-buy. They played on Thursday. But they played pretty well at Carolina, and I Brian's got enough offense to outduel Drew Locke. So we're going to go Atlanta. So just to recap, Arizona, Tampa, Atlanta, and the ugly game of the week, Buffalo plus three over Seattle. Have some guts. Get down on the Bills. You know, Anthony Lynn is is in real trouble out there with the Los Angeles Chargers. He struggled to win those close games last year. This year he has Justin Herbert at quarterback. He doesn't have Phillip Rivers who turned the ball over last year. Struggling to win those close games. I mean, that team could easily be, you know, they could easily be like five and two at this point. It hasn't happened. I think it's time to make a change. Anthony Lynn is a great guy. I mean, I watch the hard knocks, and he is really inspirational, and I think the team loves him, but at some point you just got to make a change, and I'll definitely say that he is he's in trouble out there in Los Angeles. All right. On that note, that's going to be episode number three of Pros Like Us. As always, on the way out, we wish you peace.